I'm Renee Ritchie, and I'm a tech analyst. I'm Georgia Dow, and I'm a psychotherapist. And welcome to Apple Talk, the podcast where we discuss Apple and related companies like Amazon and Google and Facebook and Microsoft and how they affect our culture and our world, or as we like to say, the psychology meets the technology. That's true, where they intersect. So people really like the Q&A episode. I know. Um, I don't want to say that I'm shocked, but I was a little shocked. I'm very happily shocked, so... Yeah, and one of the suggestions you got, which I thought was really apt, is that people would like us to do questions more often, and maybe we could integrate at least one or two questions into every show. Yeah, I like that idea, because then it's not just a Q&A, and people that don't like Q&A don't have to worry about it, yeah. and people that do get a little tiny bite-sized morsel. <laughs> they get a little reward system. They get yeah. a little they little, little baby Yoda cookie. A little bite. A little baby Yoda cookie. All right, so we have a question this week from uh, Spamez. Spamez, Spamez. And this is... This is actually a really interesting question because I feel this so much. The dopamine hit from buying stuff intensifies tenfold when you don't buy stuff regularly. I will always be able to justify myself why I don't need to buy something. And even now having my old MacBooks and looking at the M1 MacBooks, um, it's good enough at sticking in my head and it doesn't consume my mind. The same with the iPad I spent. So basically just to, to make a long question shorter, we have like this feeling, like you're looking at a new product, you're lusting after, it's almost like a courting thing where you're going through, you're reading the reviews, you're scrolling through the order pages, you're looking at the specs. Uh, it's like a little dance, you know, it's like you got all your feathers preemed up. And then when you press that, like you don't buy it. You don't right. buy it. You're like, I don't need this. Yes. And then you come back a few days later yeah. and you look at it again. You watch another video, you know, yeah. maybe you see Marquez's video or Justine's video or something. And it's just, it's one more thing. You go back to the order page, your finger's hovering. Maybe you don't buy again. Maybe you read like the Verge review or you see people on Twitter talking about it. And you're just like, eh. but then eventually that feeling just intensifies and you press that buy button and it's the best feeling in the world. And so is like waiting for it to arrive, the anticipation, yeah. the unboxing, starting it for the first time. And then at a certain point, maybe right after, maybe soon after, it's like, it's just one more thing that's on your shelf. It's one, one more thing. thing. And I think that what else he's saying is that if you buy stuff all the time, you don't get the same dopamine hit. Yeah. As you do, if you wait, it's a rarer thing. So if it's it's like like free-range chickens that you have to kind of funt for. You just see it, right? The gold iPhone, it's really, or the PS5, it's really hard to get. It's difficult. You can't get when you make, it makes you want it more versus something that you can get all the time. If, you know, like we used to go out to restaurants all the time. Yeah. That was like just a huge thing. Now going out just to the dollar store, I was so excited. Like the dopamine. I was the opposite. Just, I was like so scared. I was like going out into the zombie right? apocalypse. That's true. That's true. I was just so excited. I'm like, I bought everything. I'm like, oh, I need this. I thought this. you were going to say that. it's like chocolate. If you chocolate all the time, it's not special. But if you but savor your chocolate. If you wait and you do something every once in a while, you're going to get yeah. a bigger dopamine hit than if you get something all the time. You become acclimatized to that. And so what actually happens is that you get less dopamine for each shot of that. And so um, you want to be aware that you're actually lowering your threshold for the enjoyment if you can just do something so easily. And so it's like, you know, being yeah. a god in a video game, it's no longer so exciting as when you were leveling up. Every level was very exciting. I don't want to make this like go on forever, but like it's why like why microtransactions work so well, because we get a little dopamine hit and it's so low effort. Like you don't have to go to a store, you don't have to buy anything, you don't have to store on your shelves. It's just, oh, I can have the new blue like you're not even getting the sweater. You're getting the blue sweater and your stupid digital character. Yeah, no, but, but the digital character is a is a projection yes. of me. I'm the one that would be like, you know, I wanted the white robe that no one else had. Yeah, it's the exclusivity too. Like if exactly. you get the new MacBook early or the new camera right away, yeah. like no you're part else. of an exclusive club who's talking about it when everyone else is sort of lusting after you now. Yes, exactly. And then you feel like you're that, a piece of that is who you are. It's a trap. 
But if you do it all the time, it's not going to be that yeah. exciting. It's not that shiny. And yes, you actually do physically get less dopamine per shot. So when do you know that it's just like a normal thing or when it's like a shopping addiction? So when you notice that when your mood goes down, you start shopping, that is your coping technique. It's probably a sign. If you feel withdrawal from being able to surf or buy things. There's not enough M1 Max. There's, there's only three. I bought all three. I need another M1 Max. Exactly. Then you might be using this as a tool. Yeah. And that's not okay. A have to versus a want. Or if there's a certain pattern that you're noticing, like every single Tuesday when I have a really long day at work or I have to do something that I don't like, then I suddenly want to you know, do some online mm -hmm. shopping and picking something up. Because yes, when you get it and when you buy it and when you see it in your shopping cart and press buy, you get a little bit of a shot of dopamine. Like that's one of the first shots of like, ooh, I'm doing a lot of surfing online, not during the holidays because you might be doing it. I'm like, oh, that might be something I should exercise. And is it chemically similar to like a physical addiction to it's like exactly a substance? The same. Really? It's exactly okay. the same thing. That addiction center is for any addiction. So it doesn't matter if it's alcohol or shopping. It's like... Same system oh, in the well. brain. It does not, it does not know the difference to it and it will become primed to whatever is your area. And we can become addicted to anything. Any of us can become addicted to anything. So you want to just be really honest with yourself. Okay. Interesting. Hmm. I'm going to take my holiday shopping very much more seriously this year than previous years. You've probably already done most of it. Uh, I don't know. It's been such a weird year. I actually, I'm probably doing it right now. Like during the show? It's been, yeah, it's been such a, it's been such a weird year because show. as far as I know, it is still Monday in March. No, no, oh, actually, yeah. no. It was Tuesday. I think we're on Wednesday in March now. Yeah. I am not sure about any any time scales, any pressure scales. I don't know at all what's happening. I've I've done, I think, all of my holiday shopping except for you. Because getting something for Renee, send me messages, is like the hardest thing ever. Because if you want something, you'll just get it. And I don't want that many things. I know. I know. Kind of happy. It may, I know. But I want the world get you something Can I world horrible. Back? I can't do that. Oh, I can't buy that. Mm, all right. I can't. Sorry. So our Apple topic for today is Apple's, what do they call it? App Store Best of 2020 winners. And I always find these interesting because... So I, like the cynic in me is like, these are the apps that have best served Apple this year. It's like the things that have used like, <laughs> no, I don't mean that in a I bad way. That. It means like, I think that Apple chooses things that they believe exempt, like sends a message, like exemplifies what they think are the best apps. But at the same time, the best apps, according to Apple, are going to be the ones that does everything the way that Apple wants them done. Fair. It's like on the Mac. There didn't used to be a Mac App Store, so the best Mac apps, none of them were on the back, the best the uh, Mac App Store. Right. Now that there is one, they're all on the Mac App Store. Right. And they're always using the latest frameworks, and they're always doing the things that Apple really wants all developers to do. Now, do they say how they choose these apps? No. Do they get, okay, no. fair. There's just... no criteria. <laughs> I don't even know, because I know for the ADAs, the Apple Developer Awards that come out WWDC, I believe it's the evangelism team and the um, developer relations team. WWDR that chooses those hmm. um, and they host it on stage like um, you'll just see those teams hosting it back right. back when we still had stages right. for this I don't know like maybe it's App Store editorial that would be my guess yeah it makes sense yeah. it makes sense and then probably they would follow some sort of numbers these are not going to be apps that are not very popular no yeah there's probably some popularity but also certain, it probably has a set of criteria yeah. popularity something that they think symbolizes what they hope to bring forward and, you know, supports Apple. And 2020 is such an unusual year. I was super curious, like, what Apple would pick. Like, what Apple, it, it's not like the best apps of the year. It's the best apps of 2020. 
which, you know, I'm running out of jokes to say what year 20, like I've been saying it's like the will it, can it blend of you years. You know what the worst it's thing is that 2020 hindsight thing? It just hurts now. That yeah. just hurts. 2020, yeah. So the first one was Wakeout, which is an app that like, that it told you how to work out when, when you wake up, basically. It was like just a bunch of little easy exercises that you could do. And I think this was key because a lot of people were in places where gyms were closed, but also you don't get to travel. You don't get to go out and walk yeah. as much. And being able to add a little bit of physical activity to your life in an easy way, digestible way, I think was really key. It's a, it's a big it's a big deal. I often tell my people to just do, you know, 10 squats, 10 push-ups, 10 sit-ups, 10 wall push-ups, or just move for a couple of minutes. So I think that it's a it's an apt app. It's an apt app. Yeah, I, I think one of the things that we don't talk we, we don't exemplify really in modern culture is that our bodies feed off motion the same way they feed off of food or or air or water and that you can starve your body of motion and then like you you start getting uh, muscle uh, atrophy and joint inelasticity. Well, if you're not if you're not moving it, all yeah. of those little stabilizers we we form plaque in yeah. between the muscles. They they really do form plaque that kind of sticks them together. And so movement, even just stretching movement, helps to keep those muscles slippery among yeah. themselves. Plus, depression is a mild form of hibernation. And so the best way to tell your body you're not hibernating is by showing your body you're not hibernating by moving. And it's the hardest thing to do because it's what your body is saying, don't go back into bed. And I feel sleep, it yo. when it's cold <laughs> and there's not enough sun. And, and dark, I'm yeah. curled up in a warm blanket. I feel it. I'm like, I don't want, like, today I'm, today I'm feeling it. I'm feeling kind of just like. Yeah. Oh, I could just curl up in a blanket and just forget about the day. And so I should exercise. Like I should have, you know, besides just climbing the stairs to get here, I should have like probably <laughs> done a little bit more exercise. Well, you've said that before. Like you've, you've told us often like we have some sort of anxiety or some sort of stress that the best thing we can do is not just, you know, stress eat or stress video game, but actually go out and do something. Like be Even active. if it's for like three or four minutes, your brain wakes up a little bit. You're the, the, there's a great book called Spark on that, that your brain has like the little growth neurons form for learning. So your brain feels more awake. Yeah. And that's just a short, I'm not talking about this is not going to increase your physical fitness if for 20, you know, 20 jumping jacks you do for like a minute or two, but it actually does wake your brain up. And I failed to mention that's the iPhone app of the year was wake up. And I did, I did uh, Luria Petrucci's live stream this week on live streaming pros. And every live stream, she starts off uh, with a countdown. So what they do, this is a little bit of YouTube insider stuff, but YouTube notifies people when you're going live, but it takes a while for people to get those notifications and a while for them to show up for the stream. So if you just start right away, a lot of people miss the beginning of the stream. So people do different things, like they just chat. Some people call out who's in the room when they're arriving. Some people have countdown timers. Luria dances like for 10 minutes of solid dancing at the beginning of all I her like streams. Like and like, that. I was trying my best to, to keep up. I was doing the robot. For 10 I was doing minutes? the Roger Rabbit. I was That's doing the cabbage patch. That's a lot of dancing. It, 10 yeah. minutes is a lot of dancing. Yeah, I was tired at the end. I'm like, she's like, I'm ready to stream now. I'm like, you woke up. I'm like, I need, a, I need some water. No, I need a nap. Where's my towel? Yeah. <laughs> I'm done. But no, it was, a, it was a great way because she does the streams every day and it's a great way to integrate a little bit of movement exactly. every time. And she dances and out at the end too. everyone else will do it with her. Yeah, well, I think she's, she's intimidating, so I think everyone is going to do it. I think so. It, it just, again, it hopefully inspires others to do the yeah, same. Yeah, I like that you can just integrate into almost anything you do, though. That, to yeah. me, is key. So iPad app of the year is Zoom, and I have so many feelings about this. I have this. so many feelings about can that Can I lay out well. mine to you quickly, and Please. then you can just tell me why, they, why I, I feel this way? Okay. So one is, 
I feel like it's iPad app of the year because the Mac version isn't on the Mac app store. Okay. So they wouldn't pick it as the Mac app of the year, even though I think probably more people. More people use it on the Mac. Than also, on the, the iPad. camera on the Mac is in a proper orientation to use on an iPad. Uh, sorry, on, an, on Zoom call where the iPad is on the side. So I always feel like I'm giving people unintentional, wicked side eye. And then just lastly, because Zoom just had so much, like they're fixing them, but they had so many security and usability and privacy issues. I, I know. This one I really, I find questionable. I just, like, I'm, I don't know. I don't feel, I don't get happy, fuzzy feelings when I think about Zoom. The other app, um, the Wake Up app, I'm like, oh, that's that seems like really Wake Out app. That seems really nice and happy and good. And this one seems a little bit of the dark side to me. <laughs> And that just might be me because I feel that way about Zoom because we cover, like when you cover all of these things and you know what's happened underneath, it sullies the entire thing. I use Zoom for some sessions. A lot of people love it. It's great for certain, you know, I get people asking now, can we use Zoom instead of Skype? Because they don't have Skype installed anymore. I And I understand it. It's easy. It's fast. It's simple. In some ways, Zoom does things better than what other places do. But with all the security breaches and them not helping and uh, just, yeah. It's also, it feels like a a repudiation of both Google and Microsoft who got there with Skype and Hangouts so early that Zoom would just walk in and eat their lunch. Like, I think it shows, like, big companies can't always pay specific attention to every product. And Skype and Hangouts, like, had the typical Google problem of where they made eight versions of it and everyone was confused. And we used to use it for YouTube Live and you can't use it anymore. They got rid of it. And then it was Meet and then it was Hangouts again and then it was, and, like, it's just so confusing. And Skype... Microsoft just neglected it. It's an Electron app, which is where apps go to die, I think. Yeah, yeah. and they, they they didn't do a great job. Yeah. Of, it's not a great experience. I use a lot. I use Skype quite yeah. a lot, but it's not a great experience. Yeah, and Zoom and just walked in, and they did certain things that people need they well, made like it easy. So yeah, easy. It's yeah. just click. You don't have to worry about it. It does all the installing. You don't have to find anything. Yes. And it just works. It even used to reinstall itself for you, hopefully. <laughs> Yeah, that's the thing. But like your your family has to use it, right? I think that's one of the only choices that you have. And, it's the only choice that we have for yeah. schooling. So, yeah. and I think that that's for a lot of people is that's the option that you have. So you end up using it because you must. So now we have a generation of Zoomers, which is like probably the best brand. Like not not very not many people boomers, get a generational but brand. Zoomers? Yeah, they oh. get a generational brand. Like even Google is in the name of a generation. Hmm. It's it's fascinating to me, but it do, it also highlights again. And I know Apple made this unnecessarily complicated for themselves. Like. I don't know why they decided to make the iPad a portrait device, but they did. The original iPad prototype, you know, back before it was announced, had dock connectors in portrait and landscape, and Steve decided that was one too many. So they got rid of the landscape one. And I think that's fine, but a lot of the things that the iPad does really well are not in landscape. They're in ports, like watching video, playing games, doing conference calls, all those things. And they could have moved the camera previously, but now... On one side of the, of the like now in the bottom, when you're holding it in landscape, you have the smart connector for the keyboard. And at the top, you have the inductive magnetic charger for the pencil. And that is now using that real estate up. So the camera really is on the side. And if you look straight, you're looking sideways. Yes. And they tried to do a weird AI thing to correct the position of your eyes. And they had to stop because it was horrifying. No, it, and it, it would shift. It, it was actually yeah. scary a yeah. little bit. Don't do that. No one wants that. But I think they need to, especially if they're selling smart keyboard and magic keyboard, they need to move that camera. They do need to move the camera or I'll say it. I know that they don't have the real estate, but add two cameras. Yeah. Or even if they have like a connector where you could do the old thing of placing a camera on top. Like, 
and you don't even need two full cameras. You only need like because the other one of the cameras, at least on the iPad Pro, is the 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 um, true depth camera. But you don't need all the Face ID stuff. You just need that red, green, blue cam, that RGB yes. camera. Yes, it does not have to be a fabulous camera. My beautiful MacBook tells me that. Yeah, 720p. Mm, mm, mm. All right, Mac app of the year, Fantastical by Flexibits. And full disclosure, I've known Michael Simons and Michael Simmons, sorry, and Kent. Uh, he's gonna be so mad at me. I'm gonna owe him bagels. Uh, and Kent for a long, 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 long time. And I'm thrilled to see the success that they have. You people who really care about their apps because. This is not a new app. They've yeah. just reinvented it again. And they have moved to a subscription model, which I know some people hate. And I understand you can't subscribe to everything. People do get subscription fatigue. But their whole thing is to, is to deliver as much value as they can. And I think it's nice to see a classic Macity Mac app win an award. Yes. Tell me about what does, what, why would I want to get Fantastical? So the best way I can describe it is that I hate them so much because I dislike calendars so much. And so I usually don't use them. And they made a calendar app that is so easy yep. that I make zero excuses for not using it. Like everything you want is instantly available for you to see. And they do natural language parsing. To, so you just type in like dinner with Georgia at 9 p.m. And it, fi it finds it and puts it in with you, for you. I love that. Like this is what calendars should be is that it has like the today view, yes. right? Like when I would, one of the reasons that I used to jailbreak my phone many years ago is because I wanted to have my calendar and my to-do list that mm -hmm. were together. It just makes so much sense. Yep. And I can't do that right now. I actually have a, I have an, there's an angry, you know, the <laughs> calendar and I don't get along, but this, it works. It's easy. It's simple. Yeah. And you're, there's less chance that you're going to miss out on your day because it's there and they have a widget. Yeah. It's, like there's this joke about, well, not a joke, there's like this thing, there's accusation that Apple Sherlock's apps and that is that they look for apps that people make and they integrate them into the operating system. And that is certainly true because they did it with an app called Sherlock, which is how we get the name Sherlocking. But Apple typically only does the base level functionality, things that people wouldn't really know about these apps or get them. And then people can graduate into these apps. So it is a problem when Apple doesn't allow the competing apps in their store. Like I think right. that is bad. But yeah. I love it when apps just Moriarty Apple, like right back, like PCALC oh, for James you. Thompson, Fantastical. And like the old joke with Fantastical is that you could tell which apps Steve Jobs cared about because they were good. And the ones that his assistants had to use weren't because he never looked at them and never complained. But Calendar is one of those apps. Like Calendar one's apps has just never gotten better. No. And now that, that Steve's not with us anymore, you can see mail's not getting any better. Huh. So um, I love that they are showing what like, Calendars should be. It's like that Aaron Sorka thing. Is Shakespeare the way it's meant to be done? It's it's just better. Yeah, yeah. Just better. Apple TV app of the year is Disney Plus. And this is weird for me because I feel like the service is actually better than the app. Like the app is nothing to write home about. It's not an exceptionally clever or novel or intuitive or... Helpful. Well-designed. Yeah. Like if you were to open Netflix and Disney Plus and TV, Apple's TV Plus app, there's not like, I don't think it stands out as an app, but man, I, all it really is to me is a baby. It's, it's like a, a, a freebasing line Yoda? in Baby Yoda. Yeah. It's just Baby Yoda. Yeah. Uh, which is, it's worth it. Injected to get, right into my brainstem. Right baby but I think that you're right. The app itself, I think that this is more because of popularity and yeah. that people use it more than it's actually a great app. Because. Yeah. Like you could probably list many more things that they should do better than the things that they do well as yeah, an app. Totally. And I think it also reflects that we're watching so much more stuff at home right now. 
Well, what else are we going to do? Nothing. There's nothing else for There's us to do. There's not much else to do. We're doing less, not more. Yeah. But, and, you know, the, like the, the criticism for Disney Plus, there's been a couple this year. One is that it's all Disney brands. It's like you have to love Magic Kingdom, National Geographic, Star Wars, Marvel, in order to like get value from Disney Plus. If you prefer Warner Brothers, D- uh, DC Comics. Indie like, stuff. Yeah. Like there's, there's nothing here for you. Uh, and also, there's not been a lot of original content, which people hope there would be. And some of that, is, it's so funny to me because when before Apple TV Plus came out, everyone was like, oh, oh, Tim Cook and Eddie Q are going to interfere. There's not going to be any adult content. They're going to keep it all PG rated. Well, and then that. Jennifer Aniston came out with like dropping more F bombs than I have in a year. Jason Momoa was cutting people's limbs off. And Disney's like, oh, we think you, you, you say the word damn in this show, we're going to move it to Hulu. I'm like, really? What? Like, like, and so many shows that people were excited about. Even like, I think it was like Lizzie McGuire think, got moved to I Hulu. Think, I think Baby Yoda said some things, but it was in his own language. He just so. keeps saying Yichuta, and I don't think it means what he thinks it means. I don't know. It's a little rude. Utini. Yeah. So, I mean, like, and, but there's all the Marvel stuff in, at first they wouldn't give Apple the HDR 4K versions. They kept them to themselves. You can get them now on, on Apple. And I think it just, if people who love those brands, like Disney princesses and Marvel and... Which is great. You'll use it because that's yeah. the only way to get to it. But it yeah. still doesn't stand out as an it's, app. Again, it's a, it's a Mandalorian launcher for me. And this is the way. This is the way. This is the way. Georgia has spoken. I miss Nick Nolte. No spoilers. So the Apple Watch app, I actually wasn't familiar with. Um, but it, oh, good. I was going to ask you. I was like, what is this? But It, it looks interesting. Yeah, it just, it feels like, it looks like... Just, well, I don't know what the right word for it is, but it's sort of like uh, music and experiences to help you deal with stress and anxiety. And I, like, I was like, is it like, so I sometimes when I'm feeling stressed or if I want to meditate, I'll listen to eight, like surround sound. It's like okay. 8K sound. Like you can look up for 4D sound, 8D sound, and it's sound or music. And it kind of like uses your, you should wear it. Of course you should listen with, with earbuds and the music moves around as you go. And it's supposed to help your brain waves. Now, is that it? Because I don't know if that's actually so what, what it, it is. says is Endel soothing soundscapes are algorithm powered and designed to gently rise and fall in line with your immediate internal and external conditions, like location, time zone, weather, and heart rate. Completely aligned to the circadian rhythm, these finely tuned, personalized sounds are pitch perfect for stress reduction, productivity boost, deep work, daily relaxation, and calm sleep. So like some people like putting on certain soundtracks. Like when I was writing my novel, like the, the, when, I, when I did my novel, I put on the Lord of the Rings, specifically the Two Towers soundtrack over and over again. I just listened to it on repeat as I wrote. Right. Yeah. And that was all I needed. Like I would hear... I would hear the Rohirrim, like the theme from the Rohirrim. Oh, that's really cool. And I would just, yeah, I would just be, I'm writing an action scene now. Huh. I don't even know if I'm getting the right app because all of them look very similar. It's this one. It's this one? Yeah. Or this one? That's the story about the app. And that's Uh, the actual app. Okay. Now I'm intrigued. I just want to, I. So you're going to try it and you're going to report back to us? Yeah. All right. So if you guys want to try it too, along with Georgia, you can all report back to us what you think next time. Now, I have to confess, there's a bunch of others that are the games of the week, but I've barely played any games this year. I don't think I've played... I've played some Pokemon Go, uh, which they actually mention here. They mention Pokemon Go because Pokemon Go was all based on getting out and exploring and going places, and suddenly we couldn't go anywhere. So they had to completely re-architect in order to do things like remote raids and remote tra- remote trading and all these things. But beyond that, I've played very little games this year. How about you? I haven't done a lot of gaming. I think that my family has gone back to, we're doing retro gaming. 
So we're playing Dr. Mario and we're doing, um, you know, oh, we played GoldenEye just recently. So we have all of the old systems. So we're kind of going back to some of those tried and true old games because I think that when, like, a lot of the games that are out there right now are huge barriers to entry for me. There's a lot of time. You have to learn a whole yeah. bunch of moves. And you have to, like, there's a lot of muscle memory involved, which eventually I will end up learning. But I'm not as fast for that. And, and so I find it consoles. stressful. Sorry, you didn't get any of the new consoles either. I didn't get any of the new consoles yet. Like, in, you know, it, because we have VR, it's also, I don't know, like, the pull to the games. Like, I think that the last, like, console game was shadow of war that i played which i loved i think that game orc was murder amazing. i think you called it i was freeing orcs from their suffering it was different um and i loved that but i haven't really played a full game because of that and we've played um metal gear solid and secret of mana and you know oh we played ori in the blind forest so we did play a couple but these are mostly older games that we're kind of going back to to enjoy but the new games, I'm like, the amount of time versus what I get from them, yeah. it's too much. So, And your kids have become obsessed with Castlevania and old Pokemon games. They like they like both of those things a lot. So. Yeah. I, didn't, I, I used to get every console. I didn't get any consoles this year. And I don't regret it because it's come down to the point where I would be sacrificing sleep for gaming now. And the sleeping is more relaxing than the gaming. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I don't know why I turned into a boring person, Georgia, but it was at some point. It's not boring. It's just different. You have different amounts of time. It used to be that, you know, it was either watch TV or if it was game. And then these games were very long and expensive because you got the most out of them. Yeah. And now we're going to be making videos and doing other things and launching stuff. And so there's a different shift in the amount of time that you can invest in something. And if you don't have a certain amount of time, certain games take a good deal of time yeah. before you can really enjoy them. Like there is an alternate reality, Renee, who's doing nothing but playing Miles Morales right now. And I'm just Spider-Manning all through New York. That is all I'm doing. Yeah. But that that Renee is not make, using Final Cut and getting better at color grading and working on He's learning sound design. He's not making these wonderful and, videos yeah. that everyone loves. Well, three people love them. I'm, I'm pretty certain I three people love I them. I don't. I think your channel's doing very well. I didn't include you in the three either. Like, like my mom. I unsubscribe. Uh, yeah. I wait till I he know. gets to like a, a she waits number, round to get number, to a and round then number, then I unsubscribe. It's oh. horrible. She doesn't realize she's subscribing again every time to unsubscribe, but I haven't told her. Oh. Mm. So app trends, last thing we'll do is the app trends, which is super interesting. So there's Shine for helping users practice self-care, um, which I think is a good idea. I think it's a great idea. There is Caribou for connecting families to loved ones, which I think some people are looking for personal social networks and not yeah. massive yeah. massive social networks. There's the aforementioned Pokemon Go for reinventing the way we play from Niantic. I have mixed feelings about this too, because I think Niantic did some really good things in terms of not having to play in groups because their whole thing previously was get out, play in groups, yeah. meet people. But they were so worried about protecting their revenue that it's become incredibly expensive to play. Like yeah. unless you either expensive in time or expensive in money. Yeah. And both those things I think are deleterious to the overall longevity of the app. And the fun. Like if you feel like you're being nickeled and dimed by a game or pressured into spending money for something that before you didn't, or there isn't the option, right? Like, yeah. so games that you have the option to give up time or give up money, then you have the choice. But I think that... Well, this gives you the choice, but it's just like, I got to level 40 really fast because I was playing for iMore. We were doing lots of articles. Remember, yeah. Now they have levels up to 50, but like for level 41, you need to catch 200 Pokemon in a day. And I just, I don't have time. And the want to catch 200 Pokemon yeah. in a day. It's so grinding. now they're making... Yeah. Yeah. 
Like, give me fun things to do. Like, like hire, hire someone like Georgia who will design things that not only uh, have like a challenge involved, but yeah. a non-tedious challenge. And that rewards you for yes. that, right? That re- like you can gather up with other people and you each, you know, do the task to get so that you're now building community within the game, which you've lost because now we don't go out and you form yeah. raid groups anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, share the meal for helping users make a difference. And yeah, and that's and that's the last. So these are all, again, these are very 2020 apps where it's about taking care of yourself, taking care of your community and doing things at home that you can no longer do when you're out. Yeah, which I think are important. And I think that they are trends that we're noticing. I think that we're appreciating personal interaction in our um, community and what are we bringing to the world. For the iPad, it's exp- those are all iPhone apps. For the iPad, it's explain everything whiteboard um, for helping communicate. And yeah, that's the that's the end of them. So what are your thoughts overall, George? What do you think of the apps they chose? I think that they may- chose good apps, apps that are actually making a difference. And I think that that shows that Apple wants to make a difference and wants their, you know, that last thing that you think about is that they're trying to do good. And it's yeah. very difficult for people. Um, I have a lot of people that I'm seeing right now because... It's gone on for a really long time. I had very few at the beginning when the pandemic kind of started. There were very few people that I was seeing. And now it's growing. It's become now where it's like, yeah, this is really real. And it's the holidays and the whole holidays. We've here canceled Christmas. So Yeah, we just canceled Christmas. We just canceled Christmas. (laughs) And so um, they'd already actually canceled all other holidays beforehand. So why I'm choosing Christmas is because it was Christmas that they canceled. Yes, they they had they'd canceled Hanukkah and they'd canceled everything else. And, but no our, yeah, I'm not going to get into it. It makes me too. No, yeah, it too but angry. it's it's one of these things that depending on where you are, you might have changed the entire way of which we celebrate yes. holidays. And I think that's another hit upon staying home and staying in. And so these are apps that are really helpful in trying to keep yourself healthy, well, happy, and connected. And I think I forgot to mention too because like I dragged um, Skype and Hangouts, but. Apple only recently added multi-person to FaceTime. It took them forever. Like, yes. I think eight years to add multi-person. Yes. A ridiculous amount of time um, to add that. And no one is including uh, FaceTime in this conversation because it doesn't have the features that you would need to do any of these things. No, no like, and they did weird stuff too. The the, the, the heads all- Which like was you fine can when nobody was using it. Well, yeah, but then now you, you can turn it off. Now you can turn it off. But before, like all the little squares would like move and then grow and someone was talking and then pull back, which is not a good experience. That was well, let me too ask you much about this overhead. because it I think sometimes there are features that look great in a demo or on very occasional use. They're delightful. But when you actually have to start using it completely, it, it bothers you. It's like some things we can take in small doses. Yeah, like those those me's or when you're like a dragon head. <laughs> Don't do that. Well, because your kids turn on everything immediately. I'll say it. Renee, you used it more than, than my kids did. I know, I but I put on an emoji. They'll put on like an emoji and have three stickers and then like a, a cartoon effect. I know, but eventually you don't, you don't like, no, they're not a thing. So yeah, I think that some things look good in a demo and it seems to be dynamic, but it becomes, it seems unprofessional. It goes from delightful to distraction. For, for a professional yeah. purpose, you don't want to. And sometimes it's better not to. Not because yeah. you should, but maybe, sh- you know, you shouldn't. Oh, the wisdom to know what you shouldn't do. Yeah. Like that. Just don't. Just don't. If it doesn't add anything, don't. <laughs> Second topic for this week. This is something I wanted to talk about, Georgia, because it fascinated me so much. And that is internet influencer apology culture. Now, let me break this down what I mean. 
So there are always people screwing up, and we have this whole new class of celebrities who are famous because of things they've done online, like not traditional music or sports or TV or you know those kind of stars, but people who make like prank videos or vlog or all these things, and some of them have become immensely, enormously popular, and. Everybody screws up. We screw up all the time, every day, and they screw up in front of millions of people. Which is rough. Me, who's like nobody, <laughs> like yeah. in front yeah. of nobody. I do something wrong, no one cares. Yeah, um, and and then we get to the apology thing. And I think like Hollywood celebrities and musicians and athletes have like this well-known path to redemption, where like previously, not now, previously, like you go on Oprah, you went, used to go on Larry King, you would you would like admit to your mistakes, you take like a brief, like it was a formula. But you also probably had press people that yes. were there to curate what is your message, what should you, you say, what shouldn't yeah. you say, um, how you should be careful. So it was a very polished image that you put out to apologize yes. to it. And there wasn't social media of people yes. yelling at you for what you did wrong. Or you typing. Were, yes, or continuing <laughs> with the pitchforks. Yes. And then picking apart your apology, which we're going to do. But also you now. going back at that. Like when yes. if you were on Oprah and, and people were yelling again. at the, like, I don't believe it. Like you weren't there going, no. you don't believe my, like you weren't sticking your head out the TV set. Going, you don't believe my apology. Like, yes. Yeah. So now we have these, these interesting things. And I've seen sort of two trends. One is like people write an apology in Apple notes, take a screenshot and post that on social media. They disappear for a while and hope that like the next outrage will replace it. Yeah. Um, then you have people who just say, oh, you just didn't understand the context. Right. And what was interesting to me, too, is that it seems like there is a certain segment of these new generation influencers who everybody just destroys when they make a mistake. Yeah. And then another group who like everybody just loves the minute they make a mistake, you know, oh, it's fine. We understand. You're such an inspiration. You're even more fabulous now that you've apologized. Right. And I don't, so like just to give you some quick examples, like Jake Paul, who's well-known internet, um, I don't know what you even call him at this point, but he generates outrage like it's his business. Probably yeah. is his business. And like he was out during some of the COVID stuff and some of them were having, like, I forget the names. They have these team houses for TikTokers and they had some parties and the Cardassians had parties and they got dragged. Like, how can you do this? We're socially distancing. You're not wearing masks. They were like on Philip DeFranco was saying, don't be stupid, stupid. You know, they were they were getting thoroughly exoriated in the media. And right. then Dr. Mike, who they call the best looking doctor in the world. He's got the Dr. Mike YouTube channel. He's enormous. He's been telling people very responsibly, best practices, wear your mask, socially distant. He goes to Florida and has a party with models on a boat with no masks. And it gets put in a paper and it spreads from that. And he doesn't say anything for days. And people are asking what's happening. And Philip DeFranco told everybody else, don't be stupid, stupid, says nothing. Right. None of the, none, as far as I could tell, none of, none of the big people in his peer group said anything. Yeah. Then he puts out an apology saying, oh, I went to my dad's place and my friend surprised me with a boat. And we did all this research to find out the capacity and didn't address anything that had to do with the reality of a picture of him with a bunch of models and no masks. And everyone was like, oh, he apologized. He's so great. And it's just such a, a weird difference to me. Okay, but I think that, okay, so let's, let's yes, kind let's of, dissect let's, all. let's, yeah. Oh, let me just apart. add this one thing. Oh, yeah, he yeah. didn't apologize on his channel. He apologized on a secondary channel right. and he never tweeted it. He retweeted someone saying how fabulous he was for doing it. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah so Casey and I said it was interesting too because he posted this thing about if you could live in any period of time, yeah. when would it be? And he said he'd like to be born in 1900 so he could fight in World War II, live through the Great Depression, fight in, sorry, fight in World War I, live through the Great Depression, fight in World War II, lived through the 60s and 70s, 
and then die before the internet was invented. Right. And the reaction was so, I think, predictable, but also interesting because, first of all, anybody who wasn't a white dude was like, those years were not good for most of us. Yeah. Like, those years were horrible. And then a bunch of people who were in wars are like, mustard gas and concentration camps, not a good look. And the third one was like, you're, you're literally equa like equating the internet to the murders of 20 million people. Right. Um, and that was sort of like just a general reaction to it. Right. So, so let's kind of break up all of these pieces. One is that what makes a really good apology, Yeah. right? So we end up with just saying sorry is a horrible apology. It's almost worse than not saying anything at all. I don't, that was um, not intuitive to me. No, just like sorry. I'm a Canadian. I say sorry. Like I apologize do, for saying but sorry. We don't really mean it. We are saying sorry as if it's it's almost like a flippant a reaction because we do it all the time. But to be able to validate, to hear what you did, to be able to take accountability for your reaction and why you said that, to show true contrition, and then to change a behavior to show that you have grown from that. Those are the things that make a good apology. Now, Jake Paul, so someone that is already reviled by most people is easy fodder. They make a mistake and hating upon them is easy. There's no yeah. cost to you because, you know, it's almost so used to being hated, which must be a really hard thing. You're making money off of it. So I yeah. guess you, that must soothe some of the wounds. But eventually everyone hating you and, and having all that vitriol thrown at you is quite a, a difficult cost. Yeah. And But why he would be like thrown to the wolves where other people wouldn't is that you don't want your 10 million Dr. Mike followers to, that, that are, have now, you know, he's apologized and come after you versus it's an easy throw for yeah. Jake Paul. You're probably not even going to take a hit and everyone else wants to jump. The mob is on your side. Exactly. Yeah. And so it's it's not going to cost you your followers, which are really important. Yeah. And so, you know, it, it becomes really easy. Then we have the apology between Dr. Mike and Casey, which are totally different apologies. Yes. So I think that it's a very valid statement that Dr. Mike's apology was not on his main channel and he kind of pushed it away. He wanted both. He didn't want to uh, like yeah. really state it upon his bigger channel, but he still wanted to say, I'm sorry. Though when I listened to his apology, it did hit all five of the different things. He acknowledged that he screwed up. He acknowledged that, you know, it was a bad judgment call on his, his part. He acknowledged that, you know what, this is hard on all of us. And sometimes we want to be able to pretend that we're not in this. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if my friend threw me a, you know, yacht with all of these like really awesome looking people, it would be hard to say no or to always wear your masks. You're in and out of the water. That, so the, that's the, the one is, piece to it, though. The funny thing is, like, I forget. I, I think it was Kim Kardashian. I hope I'm not. I always say Kardashian or Kardashian. I don't know which one's which. Right. One right. is from Star Trek. One's from Star one Trek. Is from, we one don't is from mean the Star Trek one. We might. Um I forget what it was, but one of them yeah. said, you know, I paid for all my friends to get COVID screens. I paid to fly everyone to a private island just so that we could remember what it was like to have the holidays that are normal and annihilated on the internet. Like everyone was memeing it going, I tested all my friends just so that we could make Lego to get like people were making up like over and over again, right. just annihilated. Right. And I think the cardinal sin there was that she was showing a level of obliviousness and affluence that combined to, to do something that none of us can do. Yes. So we hated her for having that ability. Yes, because you could, but even if you did. Yes. Yeah. Like we could not afford ever to do this. And yes. if we did do it, we'd be like, we would be like, they would be pointing fingers at us. Right. But with Dr. Mike, it's again, 
like in his apology, he didn't address like the supermodels at all. Didn't he address, did not address the supermodels. Like the amount no. of people on, didn't address like. He did a, He did address the amount of people that he yes. could have 10 people on a boat. Well, he said he checked the amount of people he could have on a boat, but so, he didn't explain that picture. No, no. And the other piece is his spokesman, when he was, they were asked for a quote, yeah. said, oh, well, he had just gotten out of the water. Yeah, and yeah. that's why. And so he didn't have to work, which I was like, you see, that's where it starts to stick. You're now not taking that responsibility yes. for your actions. Let's just say it in the picture where he's massaging a beautiful supermodel, which I totally get. She's a beautiful supermodel, but you're not wearing a mask and you're not wet. So yeah. for how long are you drying off not wearing but a he mask? he didn't get the reaction that Kim Kardashian got either. Like there weren't people making memes he's about him. Let's just say it. he's yes. loved. Yes. He's a kind person. He's well-spoken. And we didn't feel the jet like. There was an like intense jealousy about what King Kardashian was doing. And I didn't feel the same thing with Dr. Like, I think on the internet, a lot of men would be like, I couldn't say no to that either. I don't know. I, that, maybe that's <laughs> completely wrong. But you're like, eh, can completely get it. But also, it goes back to that difference between Jake Paul and, and yeah. someone else that's loved. Who's, you know, and the Kardashians, they're, they're uh, also people love to hate upon them. For like, really, I can understand that sometimes you might say that they're tone deaf and they don't know and they live in a different reality, but you know, they're not trying to do harm to the world yet. They are treated like they're trying to do harm to the world, which is difficult. Casey's apology was different. I found than Dr. Mike's apology. He kind of doubled down on, I didn't mean that. I just wanted to say that it would be a cool thing to experience so he said two wars and the depression and everyone's like, you're probably not going to make it through the first yeah. war because most people didn't. No. And you didn't really, un- it, it seemed like he didn't understand the gravity of the wars and what the effect would be to that. Um, but he's like, you know, some people talked about dinosaurs and you'd probably be eaten, but it would still be an interesting experience to go through it. And I think that the problem with his apology is that he didn't acknowledge that, you know what, that's a very good point. Yeah. And I think that when you make an apology, um, you need to acknowledge that, you know what, like that is a good point upon the other part, which I can understand. Because if not, people get even more angry of you still don't get it. And what people want is they don't just want you to be sorry, but they want to be able to have their position in it heard, heard and yeah. seen yeah. and acknowledged and validated. And if you can do that, then we both end up winning. You can say, you know what, I completely understand it. You're right. I probably would have died. Yeah. I probably, you know, that it, this was not a good time period, which he did do a little bit. It's not a great time period. And I acknowledge that. And then he kind of went, but too quickly. I think that he could have stayed upon that a little bit longer. And then people feel like, you know what, you get it. Because I think that it still seems like he doesn't get it. And I was looking around even, is there a video that goes like, is this it? And then I'm like, no, that was it. There was no yeah. more of that, which is fine. But I don't think that people really felt heard and seen from that. But, you know, he did at least acknowledge that other people might have felt differently. Yeah, it's this weird thing where um, there's like, and again, I don't know the psychological terms for it, but some people's reaction is to double down and say like why you're wrong mm-hmm. about what you're saying. Yes, um, defend themselves, right? So, so sometimes when you attack my opinion and say that I did something wrong, it is our first natural reaction to protect ourselves and say, you know what, I'm not a bad person. Like often we think when someone says, you know, you did this wrong, we assume that. And especially if we had a complex childhood is you're saying I'm wrong and I'm a bad person. And so the first thing, which is normal. Or but like you don't understand. And the thing is, I think yes. people forget that communications are, t- are two-way streets. Like I have to make every effort to get my point across. And I can't blame you solely for not understanding me because maybe it's a lack of my, my ability to communicate. But also maybe my point's not valid and I should take this as an opportunity to reassess the validity 
That takes a lot of ego strength though. Like that takes a lot of personal growth to be able to do that. It's almost like a game of poker. If you don't have a lot of poker chips, you can't go into that many games. You yeah. can't go that deeply in when the risk will be the rest of your poker chips. And I can understand that feeling of not being able to apologize because then it's all the rest of your poker chips. And so that sometimes happens and I I can understand it. So like one of the ones, you know, and I'm reticent to to bring Linus from Linus Tech Tips into this again, but we had this thing where he was like he as soon as the M1 Apple uh, MacBooks were announced. He he called it a slow a slow burning dumpster fire or something, and said now you can pay real money to get uh, to get an iPad in your Mac, an iPad with a touchscreen, an iPad with a touch bar, and the and the iPad with no with no screen, and like he he was dunking on it, which I think was interesting, just because like I can see why because his audience is primarily Android and PC users who were feeling um, unhappy that Apple was do, was producing these results using something different than what they had. And some sometimes the reaction to that is disbelief. It's like the five stages of denial, like disbelief, right. anger, yeah. yeah, all of those things. But, you know, a lot of people pointed out what I think were valid counter arguments and he doubled down. Like he made a series of videos where he's like, oh, all these people are misunderstanding me. If you think an iPad is good, then I didn't say anything wrong. But his tone was clearly to be insulting. Like, it's not like, like you're misunderstanding me. It's like, no, look at the title of your video and your tone, and he kept doubling down. And people like Jonathan Morrison said, look what I can do with this compared to this one. And they were like very engaging. And he just seemed to be, please stop talking to me. And like his tweets were like, I, I don't have any more thing more to say about this. And then like his additional videos was like, Apple just had vague charts. They had vague charts. The charts were vague, the vague charts, the vague. And like at a certain point, yes, I know their charts were vague. I want to see your not vague ones. Like you're amazing. You're brilliant. You're really smart. You do all this great PC coverage. Just do this like that. And there's yeah. zero apology there because he do- literally doesn't think he did any. And he doesn't well, need to apologize for this. I don't think this, that but... it's as much. I think that the the cost of apologizing versus not the cost. Or maybe of not apologizing. apologizing, but there was no like he didn't seem to progress. Yeah, but I I think that his audience doesn't care. His own audience, his personal audience, doesn't really care. So there isn't that push yeah. to be able to apologize, and that happens a lot. That you wait, someone waits to see what the cost will be to that, which is normal human for us to be able to do that. And if the cost is too great, then we will do it hurts. I'm going to say it. It hurts to apologize. I don't love having to apologize because, and I'm Canadian, so you can take that with a grain of salt, but a true apology is, is painful to our own ego and where we're at. And if there isn't any need for it, why should I do it? I think is a common thought to everyone. Yeah, no, I have that instinct too. Like the minute someone says you're wrong about this, my instinct is to push back and say, no, I'm not because blah, blah, blah. But I've learned to sort of stop for a second and figure out if there's an angle and do it. And if I made a mistake, I'll just say, yes, I made a mistake. Yeah. Um, But I've learned a lot. Like I've learned a lot by seeing people push back on what I say. And even if it's just to have, to realize that not every opinion is all encompassing. Yeah. That there's a scale. And sometimes you're right when it's under this condition, but under this condition that you never thought about, you're not right. And, it, and that's a learning opportunity to increase the size of your bubble. Yeah, exactly. That brings us almost to the end of this episode. We do have a bonus topic if you're listening on Nebula. And this week, my bonus topic is all about Warner Brothers and them releasing their movies direct to consumers. I'll get into that in a minute. And if you don't have Nebula, it, that is super easy to fix. You can just go to curiositystream.com slash Apple Talk. You can sign up to CuriosityStream and you can get a super, super ridiculously low price for the entire year. And it comes with a free Nebula subscription. So you can not only watch this show with its bonus content, you can watch my videos with their bonus content, a whole bunch of other ones. 
It's the best deal in streaming and it gets you whatever we're going to talk about next. But if you are just listening to us on your podcast player of choice, I would like Georgia to tell you where you can where you can uh, find out more about her. You can uh, send me an email, Georgia at westmounttherapy.com. You can check out Twitter at Georgia underscore Dow. And if you're dealing with anxiety and depression, you can check out anxiety-videos.com. And you can find me at Renee Ritchie on just everything, uh, youtube.com slash Renee Ritchie, twitter.com slash Renee Ritchie. And if you haven't already, please do subscribe to uh, the show, like wherever you listen on Apple Podcasts, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Downcast, all the casts. All the casts. All the casts. And leave a review. We keep threatening to read some out. We should. We should. I, I don't know if there is any. I don't want to look and there won't be there, any There reviews. are less in Canada because we get the Canadian ones and there are very few there. And it's always like just, ah, uh, like more Canadians, please. But then we, yeah, should, we need to find we a way find to get the American get, ones. We, I used to be able to get yeah. the American ones. We have to figure out how to. Please do. And we'll try to figure out how to grab them and then read them. Awesome. Thank you. And if you're listening on Nebula, our next topic starts right now. <laughs>